0: Howdy, folks. Welcome to our podcast, Life in the Saddle. This is Ben Longwell with True West Horsemanship. We're glad you're here. Join us as we share stories and adventures and interview extraordinary men and women in the equine and ranching industries to gain insight into horsemanship and life itself. It is our mission to help people and their horses better understand one another and achieve together that which they cannot do individually. Thanks for riding along with us. Okay, everybody. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. I sure appreciate your time, and uh, I'm excited to sit down here with Jess Hedges in Burns, Oregon. Jess and I have sort of known each other through social media for, I don't know, maybe five, six years or more, and followed each other along in in our adventures and what we're doing, and so it's a privilege to finally meet her and, and catch up and hear a little more of her story and how she came to be operating hitching post supply here in Burns. So, Jess, I appreciate your time. Thank you for sitting down here and sharing your story.
1: Well, thanks for stopping. I I feel bad. I know we tried to do this another time and it just never quite worked out.
0: That's right. We came through Burns, I guess it was December. Yeah. And uh, I think it was about six below. (laughs) But yeah, it, it, we just kind of, we had it set up and we, just had a series of circumstances, we missed catching up with you then. But um, now for those of you know, who are listening who may not be familiar, tell us a little bit about what you're doing here uh, right now at Hitching Post Supply and then we'll circle back around once we get through your story.
1: Okay, well Hitching Post Supply is a 35 year old business that my husband Sam and I bought from Lee and Vicki Mullen uh, two and a half years ago. Um, And it was a total God thing. We went from talking, Uh, hey would you want to build my website to hey would you want to buy the business and this happened in three weeks from that conversation to the contracts and moving everything from Snohomish, Washington to our home in Princeton, Oregon which is where we first brought Hitching Post Um, and yeah it was not anything (laughs) that we were looking for but uh, probably what we needed yeah
0: that is awesome I look forward to hearing more about how that transpires. I tell you, when when you're just moving forward and trying to follow what God wants, and boy, when something like that happens, it can be incredibly quick, and out of the blue, almost, it seems like.
1: Yeah, and it was so weird, too, because I I go in and I tell my husband about it, thinking, yeah, you know, that it was a nice offer. That's kind of cool. Especially because multiple people had given my name to Vicki as someone okay. who would be good for this. Right. Um, and it really was because I had built a career working with makers. I have built a career working in like online marketing. I've done, I've owned an e-commerce before. That's right. Um, my time in the cowboy poetry world, um, Hitch and Post Supply, uh, carries a lot of Ian Tyson stuff because uh, of Vicki's friendship with Ian Tyson uh, but also many, many other gatherings. She showed she that she had booths at a lot of these gatherings. Okay, she started sure. the Cow Camp Trading Post in Elko during the National Cowboy Poetry oh, okay. Gathering, right? Which was the first gear show, yeah, uh, to happen in Elko. And so the cowboy poetry music piece of this um, was really important. So again, yeah. I, I had connections there. Absolutely. Um, I've been I and then I had that whole cowboy piece, Sam Cowboys full- time. We've lived in cow camps in the middle of nowhere. Um, we use this gear yeah and so had I not had the those other life experiences, had I not done those things, I wouldn't have been prepared for this, although to be quite honest, there's some days I still don't know that I'm prepared <laughs> for this, but we're we're here and we're doing the things I know
0: I know exactly what you mean by that, but it sounds like it's amazing how. There's so many different facets to your story, and I I can't wait to get into it, but how each thing kind of prepared you and gave you connections or experience for what you're doing right now, and uh, where did that all start? Like, let's just start, where, where are you from originally?
1: Um, I was born in California. Try not to say that too loud. Um, We moved to Nevada when I was 10. uh, Grew up on the TS Ranch. And so I grew up going to the National Cowboy Poetry Gathering every year.
0: That's right. Um,
1: Didn't take me too long where I said, well, I live on a ranch. I got stories. I can do that. (laughs) And uh, so I do open mic and whatnot as a kid. Um, Got out of it for a while because I was too cool for that. Um, I was going to college, uh, met my husband, Sam. Uh, Everything kind of fell apart, so we went to Washington because he wanted to start Colts, and we were at an arena up there and spent every nickel and dime we had, didn't know anybody. We're 12 hours from home, and within two weeks, the last Colt of this line broke its leg when Sam went to hobble break it. Oh, wow. And I started writing again. Yeah. And uh, it ended up being fine you yeah. know it all ended up being fine but we really didn't know there for for a minute what yeah. was gonna happen yeah uh, anyway so I did the cowboy poetry thing while I was also a licensed insurance agent um, you know the wife who works in town kind of <laughs> deal uh, we end up moving to to Oregon basically there was a job that they were downsizing and Sam was kind of the middleman right. and so we end up getting to come to, to the Burns area. It's kind of weird. It's two and a half hours from here. It's out on <laughs> the Hawaii. But this was kind of where you, sure. would, groceries, post yeah. office box, literally we wouldn't see anybody but each other, um, for weeks on end. Yeah. There were times, I think we, Sam stayed in there for three months one time. Yeah. Uh, so he literally, literally only saw me or maybe a random hunter. That was about it. Wow. Um. Anyways, so got pregnant with Quirt. Uh, They transferred us into a different place. that was about 12 miles outside of town here. Uh, I'd lost my dog, and I said, (laughs) okay, I'm now sitting here with four white walls. What am I going to do? Right. And at this point, I was starting to see all of these people online be crafty. Now, I did not grow up being crafty. I didn't know anything about that, but I said, (laughs) I will figure this out. I'm going to have to start making something. Yeah. Um because it didn't really make sense to get a job at that point. Right. We had also just been introduced to Dave Ramsey. So okay. we want to get out of debt. We want to do all these things and yeah. I'm sitting here looking at a husband who's doing everything he can possibly do. Yeah. Um so I started the buckerack collection, which was right. these headbands. I'm like, "Hey, they these are kind of cool." Um so I figured out how to sew and how to decorate. And wow slowly started to grow that added other things cause it didn't take long to realize that headbands were going to be a trend. Sure. Um, so how could I make this, you know, have some more longevity. Yeah. And so that brand was a godsend. It got us out of debt. It paid for a lot of things that, uh, as a cowboy, you know, cowboy and family, we could have never afforded. It moved us across out of state multiple times um, I, gosh, it moved us to Idaho and then from Idaho to, to Paisley, Oregon. And Sam got another job opportunity. And at that point, I sold the business. But at that time, I had five team members. Wow. We were sponsoring multiple things. We had, um, we had a team, basically, that promoted us. Uh, yep. We had a wholesale distribution set up. Be. Um, and I sold it because I was going to get to go, Cowboy. We were gonna live about an hour from my in-laws, so I was gonna have help with the boys.
0: Right. Okay. Um,
1: and I loved it. I freaking loved it. <laughs> and during that whole time, things didn't really work out the way that we thought they were going to. And part of that was uh, I come off a colt on Black Friday, got That's kicked right. in the head. I remember that. Uh, yeah, I was uh, spent three days in the ICU. A week in the hospital total. Um, had to learn how to talk, how to walk, how to ride. Um, when I first come out of the hospital, we went to stay with my in-laws just because my boys were three and four, right. and so I just just couldn't deal with it at yeah. that point. Like I was my your sleep patterns get very very messed up.
0: I'm sure. Um,
1: and so with kids that age, you can't just not wake up when you're supposed to, you know. (laughs) Um, And then we also, we lived in a split-level house, and part of what had happened in that is I had roped up, and I wouldn't let go. So I was still holding on to my rope when I got kicked um, about my right temple, right. and so I ripped out some things in my shoulders. Right. So trying to, you know, that toddler stage oh, where yes. you got them by an arm <laughs> and they're screaming and you're half carrying them because as their feet levitate off the ground, I couldn't do that.
0: Couldn't do that move. I couldn't do that move at that time,
1: and I had two of them. I was outnumbered. So because uh, <laughs> he had to go back to cow camp. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we end up coming back. Uh, back to the ranch kind of full circle that we had been with when uh, we first went to cow camp they had a variety of different places and uh, at that point life was starting to get back into a little bit more of a, a normal state for us and I said okay what's next right um, because that whole experience made me realize although like thank you Jesus I got back to riding I got back to roping I can cowboy I also realized I couldn't do that full time yeah. um, anymore and I couldn't do that and be the mom that yeah. I needed to be. Um, so I almost started becoming a maker again. I was about to get into leather, and I realized, well, honestly, I didn't realize on my own. Again, <laughs> God, God in his perfect timing, I had an author, poet friend that uh, needs some help with social media,
0: right. and
1: so we get on the phone, and I talk her through how to do what she's wanting to do, and she's like, Jess, you should be getting paid for this.
0: <laughs> what are you talking
1: about? Everybody knows how to do this. She's like, no. Not yeah. everybody knows how to do this. Yeah, um, And literally, Brandon Inc. was started that day. LB. will be. Um, and so that started out as a social media management, but I realized very quickly, I could help you advertise all the things. Right. But if you didn't have the back-end processes, if you didn't have pictures, if you didn't have a website, if right. you didn't know... If you're spending $7 on shipping for a $3 con show, (laughs) um, just so that you can make this custom order, it didn't matter how much I helped you, I helped you advertise. And so then it turned into this all encompassing thing, which I'd had the experience of because I did the, I did the Beckerette collection and then the cowboy poetry thing, um, Gosh, social media was the only reason I gained any traction with that because nobody was doing it then. Right. Um, the number, <laughs> the names I could throw out today of the crashy old men—they were like, "Oh, social media, don't don't bother with that. It's a waste of time."
0: Yeah. Uh oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> who were then mad because I get paid to go out of state by people who never met me. Yeah. Simply because they social media allows you that opportunity to know, like, and trust. Yeah. Um, and it kind of put that out there. And so it, it gave me a lot of opportunities. So yeah, then I started Brandon ink and I'm doing photography and I'm building websites. And this was stuff that I had to do in my business. I right. didn't go out to be a graphic designer. I didn't go out to be a web designer. Right. Um, and no shade on those people. I just, I feel like, because I, I learned those skills in the trenches. I learned what, this is like bare minimum what I think it takes to, to make your business survive. I wasn't just selling stuff that was right. fun to me or that I thought, oh, this is a good way to make money. No, this was what I used myself yeah. um, to build yeah. my businesses. And like
0: you say, a lot of those folks, whether they're makers or, or uh, ranchers or horsemen or wherever they're at in the, in the agricultural or rural setting, they don't necessarily either have those skills or always see uh how those systems need to work together to make something actually efficient and productive. And so that was that's a hugely valuable uh skill set to bring to to the industry, I think.
1: Yeah, I didn't you know, we take our personal knowledge for granted as common knowledge. That's true. I see that so many times and the number of people I talked to that were like, oh my gosh, I wish I would have met you years ago because they're trying to get a logo. So they have, these are people in production agriculture or as a maker who have the foresight. They understand where their brand needs to go, but they don't quite know maybe how to go design a logo. Right. And so they're, they're dependent on someone. Who's making them a Holstein logo for their registered Angus operation.
0: <laughs> Quite literally.
1: Yes. I, no, I had a client <laughs> that that happened with. I mean... Oh, dear. Yeah. And at that time, again, there wasn't anybody doing that on... I'm going to say on a larger scale or on a... I, I solely worked from home. It's not... It wasn't a local business thing. Now I'm sure there are local, there were local graphic designers that if you sure. found one, sure. um, but to to do the online stuff and the advertising and build the community in that way, that wasn't really happening at that time. Yeah, um, yeah. Gosh, because this was, God, well, it was over eight years ago. I don't know. It's I've slept <laughs> since then. <laughs> But um, yeah, so then that kind of brought me right. I mean, I was making more than the cowboying job, doing Brandon Inc. Right, Um, and still part time around, just kind of being the mom or going and cowboying, and and then hitching post happened. And so for the last couple of years, Brandon Inc. has kind of been on the back, the back burner. And it's funny because uh, God brings those things back around, and here recently, he's like, "Yep." that You need to be doing this again, and i I had forgotten that for me, a huge part of my creativity was in building logos or was doing some of this right. stuff right um but I also needed to stop and do that for for hitching posts for a while. There was things hitching right. posts needed, and now right. I don't know, I feel way more confident and qualified because I'm back in the my hands are dirty and naked. Yeah. I yeah i i mean we ship constantly like that's. So I, I understand the, the things that are going on a little bit more instead of just how to make the computer do the things.
0: Sure, exactly. So now when you, when you first acquired Hitching Post Supply, you had it at your, your home yes. on the ranch. Yes. And you're probably doing, I think I understood, mostly shipping and, and the, the online orders. So how did it sort of go, come about where you're now based here in Burns and you also have that, that retail presence here locally?
1: Well, and again, it's funny. I always said I would never, I'd ne- you know, I wasn't going to have a retail store. I, yeah. could, I also said I'd never really photograph, uh, do photography other than what <laughs> I could get done horseback because I wanted to be horseback. Right. It was more important to be doing the work than to document the work. Yeah. And then God laughed and laughed. Anytime so we say
0: never, yes. yeah, he finds that very humorous. Yeah.
1: And so what was happening was, one, I had team members. I had multiple team members who were driving all the way out there. Uh, my house is is an hour from Burns. Right. Um, so we had team driving out there. It also, from a shipping standpoint, we were only shipping sure. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Right. Because the most effective way to get things out was to bring it all the way to Burns. Right. Right. Um, So, yeah, we decide. Well, we'll we'll try this. We'll try getting the deal in town, Um, and then too, you know, like we, my family got COVID at one point. Literally, no one could work for two weeks, and we didn't find that to be fair, you know, to our team and and that sort of thing. So. That was another motivation to, to try this. Well, then Burns is, it's awesome. It is a small town. It is that small town vibe. And so people started coming in saying, oh my gosh, I didn't know we had this here. Right. And so I said, okay, what do we need more of? And uh, so I've tried to find a good balance between what a working cowboy needs to go back to work tomorrow. Because um, we've all been there. We've all busted a latigo or... Something, yeah. and we couldn't. I mean, if that's how you make your living, that it gets serious pretty quick. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, everybody loved the Dave Hall art. Um, we got an entire collection of Dave Hall that was purchased by Hitching Post Supply for um, for their catalog covers and things. Okay. Just the work that Dave had done for Vicky over the years. Right. Um, but then clothes and stuff. You know, we have a big R here locally. Um, which is mm-hmm. about it. Well and we have a we have a really great ladies' boutique, but again that's not
0: not quite the same demographic. Yeah. 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 So that's awesome. That is very cool. Now, um, your husband Sam Hedges. Mm-hmm. His dad is Mackie Hedges, is that correct? Yep. Could you give us a little history on that and those books that Mackie wrote and kinda of where they're based and kinda of a little bit about Sam's story?
1: Yeah, so Um, My husband and I met when we were 18 and 19, I think, at college. I was doing the welcome wagon, knocking on doors with the student council to say, like, hey, this is what's going on this week. Um, Yeah, I am a nerd. (laughs) (laughs) I am a nerd. There is no denying it.
0: What college did you go to? Uh,
1: Great Basin Community College in Elko.
0: Okay, yep,
1: sure. So, sitting in... The corner is this custom rig with this S over quarter circle uh, concho on the can on. I said, I want to know who owns that saddle. <laughs> well, I do. And this guy did not look like anybody that would own that saddle. In fact, he had decided he was coming to college incognito. Why he brought his saddle if he wanted to be incognito? I don't know. But... So we'd go back and forth for a minute. He's like, nope, that's my saddle and that's been pretty much us since since that day, I I'll mean, um, it didn't take very long, and we were dating, and we just kind of knew that that's it. This yeah. is this is it. This is us. This yeah. is what we're doing. And
0: um, that's cool.
1: Yeah, I don't. So he's the youngest of uh, Mac's three boys. Right. He's the only one that stayed cowboy. man. Um, yep. Interesting. And uh, as far as Mac and the books, the joke is every time Mac got hurt, he wrote another book. Um, he had a horse blow up on him, uh, in the afternoon, pretty unexpected and, uh, took him out for a while. And so he's getting, people are coming to the house and talking to him about retraining and he's like, what, what is that? Like he literally came out of the Marine, the Marine Corps and he's cowboyed because that's all he ever wanted to do. And that, and so the idea that he would have to retrain to become a a truck driver or something. something Yeah. Well, my mother-in-law took the computer in and said, start writing your stories for the boys. So, Last Buckaroo started as a series of short stories that some friends helped put together, um, helped him put that, that fictional storyline um, right. over the top of, and that's kind of how that one came to be. Um, at that time, Baxter Black was a vet that they happened to know because they were in the same area of the country right and uh Baxter was willing to kind of kind of endorse it and so Gibbs Smith publishing picked it up for the first time right um today okay. it's uh and the name totally ex- escapes me. It's it's under uh, it's reprinted now right. with um, Robert Sigmund. Excuse okay. me.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> I knew it would come to me. <laughs> yeah. So Bob Sigmund picked that up, and uh, and so he reprinted it. There was also Shadow of the Wind. So mm-hmm. we get the the younger guy's story in right. Last Buckaroo. Um, and something that, point of note is that those every wreck is true. Yeah. Every single horse wreck that happens, the names and faces are changed to protect the guilty.
0: Um,
1: because they are talking about, you know, uh, cattle rustlers. There's a guy dancing on the bar. Yeah, um, there's
0: all kinds of stuff. I mean, it is it is real deal stuff.
1: And it all happened. That's um, incredible. Yeah, so then when Shadow of the Wind comes out, it is noticeably bigger. It's much yes. bigger. And oh, the yes. reason was, was uh, all of Mac's friends and the people that... I don't know. They just would get it most. They wanted that large print. Okay. So that's part of why uh Shadow of the Wind seems so much bigger. Okay. And it's the older the older guy's version of what happened, and it's not a retelling of the same story, no, but you that's do right. get that real sprinkling of yeah, the young guy thinks he's helping the old guy, <laughs> but we all know that it was the old guy who really gave this kid a chance. Yeah.
0: Um yeah.
1: and Again, all the wrecks that happen yeah. in Shadow of the Wind* are true as well. They these things actually happened, um, and so now we, Hitching Post Supply, does carry both these books. We're super proud to
0: that's awesome to be
1: able to offer that. And that that's was something cool. that happened before I ever took on the business. Vicky had already built that relationship. Yep. Uh, through the poetry stuff, I had had a, a at least a mild acquaintance, you know, with Bob Sigmund, and so right. Um, we've been really excited to be able to continue that.
0: That is cool. For those of you who are listening, uh, if you have any interest in Western history, authentic cowboy life, and uh, even just a good story, those books, uh, Last Buckaroo and Shadow of the Wind are well worth checking out. I highly recommend them. Well, that is very interesting, Jess. So, what is it like living an hour from town? How, do, how does that work?
1: I love it now, and I've lived a lot farther out. Mm-hmm. Um, now, all I am is in town these days, <laughs> um, so I I have to remind myself it's a season. It won't always be like this, but I like it. We live in a gorgeous place. I'm used to being on my own. I, you know, Virgil Earp, the lawman, he's the uh, little Merle Corgi running around here that was smiling.
0: Yeah, quite literally. <laughs> <laughs> um
1: he gets to be with me all the time. You know, I I ride. I like the flexibility of something happens and I can actually be of use. Yeah. You know, yeah. I can go out and help or um this year's been much different. Like our fall works. Fall is my favorite and and specifically what we do on the ranch i know most people are all about branding season Mm-mm. give me fall works give me looking for remnant give me yeah yeah you know give me that any day of the week but uh, so this year i didn't get to do right. near as much of that but i also know it's a season yeah i've been very thankful and i guess blessed because the boys had the opportunity um, to play football and at 9-11, and it was time. It was yeah. time to try to let them try some things because we are adamant that the ranch is a tool to teach our kids. The ranch is not the expectation. Cowboying right. or, or any of that is not the expectation for their lives. It's right. merely a way that we can be together as a family. It's yeah. merely a way to teach them work ethic and honor and morals. Absolutely.
0: and Absolutely. and all of those things so that brings another thing to mind that I'd like to hear your your take on and I've seen I've seen you share over the years where your family was intentional about spending time together and putting together a string of horses where everybody could ride and and work together and stuff and and that's always been my goal that's always been something that for as long as I can remember the idea of having my family work with me horseback and 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 not horseback, you know, and just, just to, to have that. So what's your take on that? And how did, how did you guys, how did that work out for you? How did you prioritize that? It was hard. Yeah. We,
1: <laughs> and, and we still don't do it perfectly, I don't think. Sure. Um, we have a couple of different rules, I guess, guidelines, for lack of a better term, because I am a big believer in we decide how we're going to act. Before the crap hits the fan, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Everybody has (laughs) a plan until they get hit in the mouth. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) But um, so one, we joke that our retirement fund is sitting out there in the horse pasture. Uh, We probably have put more money than we should have into horses. Um, Here recently, once we got to a point where we um, had a string, then we started to say, okay, we're not going to buy anything that's not papered. And we still have a couple papered ones and, you know, or unpapered ones. Sure. Uh, then we also said, okay, we're going to start buying this body type because we were finding that we were spending more money trying to get, you know, get saddles that would fit. Right. You know, um, because we we're allowed six head of horses at this place. Okay. Um, and that's, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. We agreed to that. Sure. But... Every horse in our string needs to be able to go put in the twenty-plus mile day. Yep. And so that doesn't leave a lot of room for that, uh, you know, "quote unquote" <laughs> bomb-proof kids horse, which I don't believe actually exists.
0: Sure, no, um, you're, you're correct. <laughs>
1: nor do I want it to. Um, my experience has been we watched a family that they did mounted um, mad police work. Mm -hmm. And their horses were so desensitized. And so I'm watching, I think it's very good for that first little bit when a kid first gets on a horse. Sure. But then very quickly what happens is you watch them have to be very heavy handed and kick, 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 kick. Yep, absolutely. And so they don't learn any feel. They don't learn, they don't learn any of that. And it's also been my, we were out together with the crew one time and Couple of guys cross this ditch and it's nasty. Like there are literally cow skulls in this thing. Like (laughs) it's not a safe deal. Yeah. And I told my boys, I'm like, okay, we're gonna break every rule that I've ever taught you. You're gonna get real loose on your rein. You're gonna give your horse its head. You're gonna hang on. You're gonna hang on your horn with the back, you know, and then maybe the back of your can or whatever. I said, your only job at this moment is to sit on this horse. Stay Let him do his job. Yeah. Now, I knew what they were on. I knew that there were men on the other side that yeah. were going to catch that horse or, you know, whatever. whatever. Like that, yeah. that horse doesn't, it has zero need to run off, yeah. right? Yeah. And every every reason to cross it. Yeah. We didn't end up having to do it. But the point was, I knew what those horses were. Yeah. Um, so our kids horses, they're not kid horses. Yeah. They are broke ranch horses and they are taught to respect them. They are taught that this is a partnership, that that horse has some, some knowledge and some ability that you don't, but they were also taught who's in charge. Um, we have a situation. I I always love this story. It was with my youngest and he was riding my father-in-law's horse. He just randomly decided he was done. He was going home.
0: <laughs> See, Literally
1: yeah. just turns around. And nice and smooth. There's no bolt. There's no big drama. Yeah. But just turns around and decides to walk home. <laughs> and he's upset. He can't figure out what's going on. Sure. And so he's starting to get a little emotional. And Dad's mad because this horse knows better. Yeah. And so we, we work the child through And then Dad gets the child off. And Dad gets on in the child <laughs> saddle, and and does a little tuning there because yeah, yeah. he knows better. He took advantage, right? Um, but even now, when we, we can, fa- that's something we can fall back on when they're scared, when they're frustrated with their horse. Who's in charge? Yeah, that's not permission to beat and yell and scream. Yeah, but that also is a reminder that it's your job to lead. It's your job to clearly communicate yeah. what you expect. Yeah. And they're given horses that know how to do what they're doing yeah um and the flip side is you know my 11 year old he really grabbed a hold of this he wants to cowboy he wants to train he wants to all the things um, which in my house i don't require i require you to get on a broke horse and ride from a to b because that's how your dad puts food on our table yeah but if you want to compete you want to train you want to rope any of those other that's optional right my husband does not need us. He can go out and rope a bull by himself, and I'm seen him do it. And he will do it again. And he'll do it on a younger horse if he has to. He just, he figures it out. He makes yep. it happen. But, yeah. one, there's a lot better ways to do that. <laughs> and we all know it. We've learned it. <laughs> but, two, um, like with Quirt, he has started a pony. He's currently, um, I found a draft cross horse at the right price, and it's four now and he's he, he's in partners with us on yeah. this cuz we know cool. the value of having a kid on it. Yeah. We know the for when we go to sell that cuz that's what this is. Yeah. We know the value for him, you know, as he becomes a man and we're trying to teach him. Yeah. And Virgil, I know you don't need they can't see you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um but uh so there's I, I see lots of value in all sides of that, Absolutely. but he chose to do that. Yeah. Now my youngest, he's more interested in irrigation and mechanics and how to make things work and he, he we're totally fine with that. There's yeah. a lot of support things yeah. um, more I need to go so I volunteer some lessons um, through an organization here or we go to the vet. My oldest gets gets horses, he saddles whoever I need. Um, and my youngest uh will hook up my my trailer i I still back it up, you know, I back <laughs> the truck up for him. he sure. hooks it up, yeah, he makes sure that we have what we need there um and they just take care of stuff like they understand the importance of that, and it's not to say that they're perfect or that we never have fights, but there's never issues, of course, but at the same time, we've tried to honor what their personalities are, what their likes and dislikes are, and then give them responsibilities yes. within that. Absolutely. Now, my youngest is still expected to ride, and he does. And there's times he legit wants to. He's helped me at lessons before. Um, my oldest, will be. he will be required to learn how to change his oil. You know? Um, yeah, exactly. I think there's some basic things just as men or as... Um, if you're going to be in this industry, that you should know regardless. But we still try and honor them in, okay, yeah, you can do this mechanical thing and we'll let him do the horse thing because that's what makes you both happy.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think that's a good balance, a real good balance, you know, for their level of experience, responsibility, and and the physical abilities that they need to have as adults and, and that sort of thing it's uh like you say it's not easy it's and even from a logistical or financial perspective you know to find horses that'll work for the kids at a different different levels or abilities you know um i've got four kids and and uh, they all they all can ride and have done various things with me throughout the years Um, but it's always been a challenge with our lifestyle where we're either traveling or we're you know from New Zealand up to back to the states, you know and 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 uh, whatnot, and so I've got my my middle daughter is probably the one that's got the horse bug she's She's the one that's been asking me just about every other day, Dad, when can I have a horse?" you know and of course, they had a pony when we were in New Zealand, and, and uh, probably took it for granted. <laughs> so now that we uh, we're kind of in between and in a bit of a season. Of transition that's been that's been tough you know that's been hard on me because um, I'm kinda of the same there are certain things that we need to do as a family because this is how we make our living we're gonna tackle this project right but um, but she wants to ride she wants to learn she wants to be involved more you know and so yeah hopefully we get through the woods here on some of that here pretty quick
1: And I I'm very grateful we were slow to get started when the boys were real, real little, we didn't have broke horses for them. Yeah. Um, a lot of times, I mean, there was even a few points where we didn't have broke horses for me.
0: <laughs> um,
1: and I don't need the, the super, right. you know, yeah, you don't, the bomb proof yeah. or anything, but I also don't do a lot of cult stuff or whatever. Um, but I think that's been a huge advantage. Sam has to ride these horses. He knows them. I mean, literally, they've already put their lives in each other's hands, however many exactly. times. Yep. Um, and so then, by the time the kids come along, I don't. We can we can tell them what the quirks are.
0: Yep.
1: And a lot of times, if you have a horse that is mentally sound, you can get by a lot by just knowing what the quirks are. Um, or for us as the parents. Yeah. To manage. What okay so this okay I currently we're helping um someone that has an older ranch horse and we're like this ho- he's going to be perfect for you don't take down your rope <laughs> if they're around cattle we know this horse already and we know that he's the type that just he's going to build to him yeah for a cowboy that is awesome perfect. But that's not what, where this person is at. Um, And so we've tried to keep things like that in mind with our kids. And then there's some advantages too. I cinch one time he went through and he kind of acted like he hit his horse. I knew exactly what I was on and I knew what he he was on. And I jumped out. I ran over there. I basically picked him up off his horse and I dumped him on the ground. (laughs) You can walk. Yeah. You know what? We've never had that again. Yeah. I don't. And and here's the thing: I do not want to like advertise this as the way that you should parent, or the way that you should be a, a horseman, or any of that. But I also I needed him to understand that yeah. you, because I've watched it happen. I've watched guys have a a tantrum and then get bucked off. Yeah. And it was their fault. Yeah. I'm not saying that the horse was acting the way that it should. Sure. But they pushed the horse over. <laughs> Yep. they started a fight that yep. they couldn't finish
0: yep.
1: I don't know uh, it's obviously not how we should train but at the same token I uh, he okay. learned and we didn't have that again but we can only do that had I known the horses that were involved <clears throat> exactly you know the one I was riding used to be a pickup horse so the idea of having people on and around is not a problem for him uh, and that's been the other thing is the horses normally rotate through us. So when the boys were little, um, Sam would basically, we'd kind of keep the back going and he'd run around like his hair's on fire. <laughs> but he didn't, have the, he didn't have to worry about the back because he had the three of us. Then we got a little farther along and we taught the boys, okay, you stay together. If someone comes off, then you stay right there. Because we we'll, we can find you then exactly. stay together and their horses were bonded enough that it wasn't a big deal, and so then him and I could ride point and they could bring up the drag, now they can both go their own directions and do what they need to do, um, and get on and off by themselves and things like that. Um, it wasn't easy. <laughs> uh, a lot of prayers, right? Like, is it? Did we make the right choice? Can this kid and this horse? meld but we we tried to slowly introduce things as much as possible and I think sometimes there's just baptism by fire and in the way that I see cowboying, that's a lot of it what can I get away with on this day with this horse with this group of cows um in this set of corrals you know
0: so do you mind sharing a little bit more about your wreck And what happened and kind of what you learned from that experience
1: um what is the, the the Lonesome Dove movie when, um, it's the, not Lonesome Dove, it's the earlier one. Okay. Where she's saying, uh, you're not weak so you don't have any sympathy for those that are. I wasn't weak and so I had no sympathy. I had no, I did not understand how getting in a car and driving across two states by myself in the middle of the night to go perform I didn't understand what the big deal was about that. And yet there were women who were like, oh my gosh, how do you do that?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, At that time, I could drive out 50 miles in the middle of nowhere with no cell service, climb on a horse I'd never been on, and go move cows, because that was just...
0: Just what you did.
1: And if you don't know this about brain injuries, it makes you fearful of everything. Simple things. You are now just... You can't, you can't even imagine how you could do that because the anxiety, all of that, well, what if this, what if that? Mm. Um, and I'd never, ever been that way. I didn't, I didn't know that anybody lived that way. Right. And now all of a sudden I was. Wow. Um, so that's, that was a lot. It was a lot to kind of work through. And, and what happens with that is you actually have to retrain the pathways in your brain. Um, you know, it was a real interesting time. I, honestly, I don't know if if my brain injury had not happened. I don't know if my marriage would still be here. I don't know. There was a lot of things that were not going right in our life, and so that really centered us and grounded us. Um, Sam literally spent his 30th birthday in the hospital wondering if I was going to live. Right. Um And I had taken... For granted, some different things as well, but one of the most interesting things that had happened, this is going to sound really silly, but we share an Audible account. My husband and I do.
0: Sure.
1: And uh, over the years, it started way back with Dave Ramsey. If one of us asks the other one to read a book or now listen to it, then we will bite the bullet and do it.
0: Right. Um,
1: And we try and use that very sparingly. But that's allowed us, if we were going to change where we are at... Um, financially or how we're raising our kids or right. I could tell you about it but you don't really get it unless you read the book. Read the book. <laughs> well because of that I, at one point I had listened to a book on brain injuries and this guy, this poor guy with a motorcycle and a uh, wreck was way way worse went through so much more than I did but it did let me know that I wasn't crazy because right. I really felt crazy. I didn't understand and uh, I know at one point, you deal with a lot of aphasia, or I personally, that was one of the things that had, um, one of the symptoms that I had. And so the little bit that I'd see Sam, uh, he'd be like, well, spit it out. And his mom is like, she, she can't. I have always known exactly what I think and how to tell you, <laughs> and I have no problem giving you my opinion. And yeah. now I, it's in there. That was the thing it's like this this word is floating around in your brain. And you can't quite grab it uh, well, because I li- I had this book in the audible thing, Sam went ahead and listened to it, and, and one of the things that I just always really really appreciated he came back to me he's like, "I'm so sorry, and he really changed how he interacted with me at that point because he understood I I am just as upset and frustrated and don't understand myself. Well, he didn't understand the person that he had known for. Right. I think we'd been married almost ten years at that point. Yeah. Well, maybe not quite that much. Anyway, we'd been married a few years though, yeah, and yeah. so um, I was not the person that he had married. I'm like, I know. I'd like <laughs> to be that person again, but I, I can't. I can't get from can't here get to there. there. Wow. Um, you can't get there from here. Um, so. Yeah, it it changed a lot. All of a sudden, I understood what um, what overstimulation was. Right. So lights, um, sound, um, migraines. I now uh, had migraines to yeah. deal with, and yeah. so the idea to drive all the way to town and then try to deal with two toddlers who are asking questions, taking your attention away. Um, it, w- it was a lot. It was very overwhelming. Yeah. Um, I had started trying to research at that point. What what were, what were are my options here? What can I do to get better? There was a lot of some experimental type things that I could have gone to Colorado from. I was in Nevada at that time. Would have cost over $50,000. I would have had to have stayed there. Wow. Which with two young kids, we weren't sure how that oh, was man. all going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and I ultimately decide not to do that in favor of trying, and this is going to sound really weird, but because of some things I grew up with, I had a big hitch about uh, piercings. I was taught that, that women get one in each ear. Right. Well, in my research, I found out that daith piercings, um, which are these little ones, okay, you know, kind of in, towards the back of your ear a little bit, they help with migraines. It's an, it's an acupuncture huh. thing. And so I almost, you know, wanted to spend $50,000 and do all this because I wasn't willing to spend, you know, $50 or $100 for one piercing to try it. Right. And you can always take it out.
0: Right. And It's, I it's did, not permanent.
1: Yeah. And I got the first one in Reno, Nevada, and this was after driving and shopping and all that. And yeah, the incision, the initial of getting, getting the, the hole, that hurt. But then all of the the brain fog just lifted. Help me. Um and so then I done it again later. I went to Caldwell, Idaho. we had already moved up here, got the other one done, and same thing happened. So I almost let all of these things, um, honestly from a man that wasn't even in my life anymore affect not just me but my family. Right. And that's been the weirdest thing about this whole deal. People are like, are you afraid of horses? You have to be afraid of horses. I was never afraid of horses after this. I was afraid of getting hurt, and my family having to go through yeah. what they had to go through with all that. Yeah, um,
0: yeah. I think that what you say about, what you're saying about empathy and sympathy, when we haven't experienced something, or if we're, I guess if we don't naturally have some empathy, we almost have to experience something, whether it is pain or or a particular situation or financial challenge or whatever it is. We we almost have to be there a bit to start to understand where people are coming from with, with whatever it is. But I think, I know as horsemen, we know empathy is important in terms of trying to sense where that horse is coming from. What are their motives for what they're doing or not doing, you know? And uh, and of course we're all guilty of basically wrongly judging their motives and saying, well, he's just being stubborn or, you know, he's pretending or he's taking advantage of me or, or anything else that we might say when when it's probably pretty simple in the horse's mind. Uh, they're scared or they're lack understanding or they figured something else out that worked enough times they're going to keep trying that. and. <clears throat> I guess maybe we're a little bit the same way as people. Um, we're not always making the right choices, but we've got our reasons. And, uh, and sometimes looking at, at other situ- situations, we lack the empathy to, to feel for them or to understand where they're coming from. So that's interesting that you, you know that you learned uh, that in your experience and then the other thing that you said that got me thinking was, was that, that paradigm of, of the piercing and how that could help the migraine. Um, and I think that our, our paradigms are the way we're brought up or the culture we're brought up in to look at life or the way we do things. You know, we, sometimes we don't even realize how something could be done differently or we could look at something differently or approach it from a different way and how the results could be completely different.
1: I think it was a good reminder to me about the legalism that mm-hmm. happens in the Bible versus the grace or the idea that somebody in some church at some place at one point decided that this was a rule, but biblically, there there was no rule. Right. There is nothing that says that. Right. Um.
0: Yeah, that's a perfect example, and and you could talk about a hundred different examples. The, I think. Somewhere in Leviticus, you know, it says something about the Israelites not meaning to pierce, not, not, not piercing this, that, or the other, you know. And, and it was completely cultural-based. It was completely based uh, because the heathen cultures that they were surrounded by and that, which they were supposed to remove from the Promised Land, of course, that was all part of their rituals and pagan, pagan stuff. And, and so, of course, God was like, look, you're not, you're not going to do that, right? But, uh, but it, was, it was cultural. It was completely... Cultural and so yeah, you're right. Sometimes we end up with legalism I think we end up with a better relationship with the rules than we do with God. (laughs) No,
1: and that's yeah, I really I learned a lot of different things through that. And I guess I was thankful for the opportunity. I was thankful for the opportunity because of the things that I've learned it made my life better, it made my family's life better. I would have never started Brandon Inc. because mm-hmm. I was plum happy cowboy. Yeah. And I could, and I was learning all the time. And I, I mean, I, and I, I just, I loved it. But I also saw, as I started to write some of these experiences, um, people were reaching out. They had lived with brain injuries and had no idea. They had family that had lived with brain injuries, and because of the stigma within the ranching culture, because this borders a little too close to mental health, um, and and I will be 110% here. Like, I had, as a teenager, I had some experiences and decided, nope, I never want to be on anything related to that. And I think you have to choose what's good for you, and I was choosing what was good for me. So I'm not against medication, Sure. But I made that decision as a teenager. And so now in the health system today, they wanted to give me all the narcotics and all of the, whether that was antidepressants, depressants or uppers or whatever yeah. to deal with this. And I knew I had made that decision in sound mind before yeah. this came up, before yeah. I'm clouded that I didn't want to be that way. Yeah. And so I had people who were judging me because I took a bunch of Advil for a time. Um, basically after my, my pain meds that they sent me home with were over because they I, they sent me home on narcotics. But before I was really healed, and I'm like, I can't have two toddlers and be on narcotics. Right. And they're willing to write me scripts for whatever I want because I have a brain injury. That was like a free-for-all, you can have <laughs> whatever you want. And I'm like, no, no. no. no.
0: Yeah, <laughs> not yeah. going
1: to do that, but... There was people within the cowboying world who were dealing with a lot of these things, and they didn't... Most of the time, I'm not a fan of putting a label on something. Sure. I was grateful that there was a label in this case, because otherwise, I would have thought that I was crazy. And I could see where these other people struggled. They thought something was wrong with them. No, you had a brain injury.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I have two separate friends uh, that rode Bronx, and some of their sleep issues and they're like oh my gosh yeah because we've now had one and they again they just sucked it up and they dealt with it um and I don't know for a long time I didn't really want to talk about because there was always one of two things oh my gosh you poor baby
0: right or nothing happened to you yeah suck it up yeah. Well no, it, it's
1: documented <laughs> there was literally blood seeping like yeah. there was there was a problem, and then it's now documented how that brain injuries are a thing, and I think that's part of the problem is because everybody reacts to them differently. our right. bodies all so you might get symptoms that I wouldn't have yeah, and vice versa range. yeah and and then on top of it, I didn't just immediately run out and be afraid of a horse. Um, I had people, I have been called a terrible mother because I don't force my kids to wear helmets. Mm -hmm. I believe that that's, I'm still very pro-choice. If you want to wear helmets, great. There are, there are definitely times and places good for you. Yeah. But I also, most of those people don't have the relationship with their horses that we do. They don't know their horses to the extent that we do. Um, my, my injury specifically could have been worse, wearing a helmet. Yeah, I mean, um, that's not
0: the first time I've heard that as well.
1: Yep, and I know other people, and, and, and here's the thing, that's not to take away that there are people who have had their lives saved by oh, helmets. Oh, absolutely. Okay? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I also know it messes with your balance. Um, you know, my boys rode many Bronx for a while, and we required them to wear helmets. But we also very much knew, because here's the thing, they could come back to Bronx. We'll have to, and we'll revisit this, you know, but if they are 16, 17, 18 years old, at that point, they need to choose. They have to choose whether they're going to wear that helmet or not. You can't do, you cannot ride effectively on that level in that environment in a helmet, I do not personally believe. Yeah. Now, we can argue all day whether Bronx should be a thing or not, <laughs> okay? But if you want to break this down to the sport... Of of to to rodeo and yeah. to those specific activities.
0: Yeah.
1: No, you cannot wear the big full helmet with a face cage, and and balance the way that you're supposed to. You can't do that. So, um, I yeah, I'm I'm pro-choice on it, but you would not believe the number of people who have just tried to tear me apart. Yeah. Over that.
0: I I think I could believe it. <laughs> I I uh, I think I could believe believe it, but um, coming back, circle circling back around to where you're at now with with hitch and post supply and and kind of getting branded and ink up and going again. Maybe can you tell people a little bit more about what branded and ink does and how uh, you know what services you offer there, and then let's wrap up with you know, where people can find you you and what you guys do and, and some of the stuff that you provide here at Hitching Post.
1: Yeah, so Brandon Inc., it's all, it's all marketing. Um, it is so I can design your logo, I can build your website, I can audit your social media and be like, okay, here's where you're at. If you're saying this is where you want to go, here's how we're going to get there. Um, I do, I look at business the way that I look at horsemanship. Um, your business is not a problem horse, but if we get a problem horse in, if we get a new horse in, where do we go? We go to the round corral and we kind of go through a checklist and that checklist can be completed in, you know, 15 minutes or it could take three days and it's fine. I don't care how long it takes, but we're going to, we're going to go, you're good here. You're good here. You're good here. Oh, we're stuck and okay, we're stuck here. So now we're going to stop and we're going to spend some time there. Uh, because I believe your business has to have a solid foundation, um, just the way that your horse needs a solid foundation. Absolutely. Um, and so we'll go back and we'll talk about who your ideal client is and how we're going to reach them, the potential problems. Uh, I th- also think that you can do anything with your business that you can explain. And oftentimes we have a messaging problem. Right. So people know that ah, I'm doing all these custom orders, but I hate it. I want to get to a shop update. Or vice versa. They only want to make things that they already have a seller for. Right. And both are great. Yeah. Right? But then you can take that 15 other ways. In Well, are you working with Rainers? Are you working with the Working Cowboy? Are you working with the Western influencer fashion crowd? Those are all perfectly fine. But the way that you're going to create content and price and, and develop product and all of that is different. And so many people, they hadn't even thought of it. Right. So I, uh, what I always do is I usually do a free call. We figure out where you're at. You don't pay me anything, and then when you do, you know what we're doing. You know why we're doing it. And sometimes that is um, I offer a program off and on called Biz Bestie, where we just sit down and we have these conversations. Right? I can help you work through it because I saw for so, my Sam didn't understand being self-employed. I hadn't. I literally thought, bless my heart, I thought that you had to be rich to be self-employed because that's what I had been taught. I grew up, if you've ever read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I grew up with Poor Dad. Right. And so um, there's been so many mind shifts that I've had to make and things to get my my brain around because now I laugh and laugh. You don't have to be rich to be self-employed. You go mow that lawn, you get 20 bucks. Congratulations, you are in business. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. You know, so
0: cool. yep. but, yep.
1: um, so anyways, yeah, with Brandon Inc, we graphics, websites, uh, coaching. Um, I, I will do your social media, do your email marketing for you. I will teach you how to do it. Um, one of the biggest things that I'm seeing just, just this week alone, I have talked to three different people who their web designers became gatekeepers. They have no login to their own website. They can't, get, they can't get their websites updated because, pe- you know, they won't get back to them. Mm-hmm. There's a, a whole host of issues. Right. And, yeah, I'm teaching you how to go do it yourself. Yeah. You know, or you can always come back and pay me hourly. You're not on your own. You're right. not like, you know, I'm not giving yeah. you the sign of the cross and telling you good luck. See ya. <laughs> um, however, I don't believe that I'm the gatekeeper of your business. So if you want to Google this at two in the morning. Yeah. I understand with that desperation, scrappy, I, I got to do something here. And you're willing to put in the work, then great.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, unfortunately, it's a problem that's across the entire industry now. And the way that websites work nowadays, um, I personally build on Shopify and Squarespace. Um, I really, really like these platforms. And part of that is because the number of people I have in their 50s and 60s who are like, oh, my goodness. I can do this. Yeah, yeah, you can, buddy. You yeah. can do it exactly. Um, so, anyways, you can uh, you can visit me at uh, brandonink.com. I'm on social media. Um, you can visit Hitching Post Supply at hitchingpostsupply.com. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, I've just dipped my toe into TikTok and video <laughs> with Hitching Post Supply, so we're over there. Awesome. Um, we send out an email once a week for for Hitching Post Supply, so anything that's a new restock or a new product, um, if, if we have something on special or um, you're going to want to be watching, we usually do a big uh, Black Friday deal. Cool. Um, we're pretty excited. This year, Sam's going to be in the store with me, and the kids are going to be in the store.
0: Nice.
1: Um, and we have some real goodies planned if anybody's going to be near Burns, Oregon. Um, cool. Which surprised me, the number of people we had, just because they were home for the holidays.
0: Right. Um, nice. They,
1: you know, they'd be here for Thanksgiving, and they'd pop in early before they headed home. So.
0: That's awesome. That is so cool, Jess. Well, I tell you, thank you so much for sitting down and taking some time and, and uh, sharing your story. Um, I really appreciate it.
1: No, thank you.
0: Well, that's all from us today. Thank you for listening to Life in the Saddle podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share and leave a five-star rating or review. Remember, you can find us on social media or our website, truewesthorsemanship.com.